Well, it is great to be thinking about how we can go deeper with God in this season. Thank you so much, Phil and Carol, for leading us in that. And it's so good to be speaking with you today. I know this is such an incredibly tough season for so many, whether it's financial concerns or elderly relatives or homeschooling or the myriad of cha- uh, challenges I'm facing right now, just the little things and the big things. I've had an absolute nightmare recording this today. Uh, the sound didn't work. The lighting's been a nightmare. It's just, it's just like on and on and on. It's like that for all of us, isn't it, right now? Just hassle after hassle. I'm just really praying that you know God's grace and are finding strength in Him. Well, I've, I've loved hearing this season of stories exactly that. I've heard of, of Jesus reaching us and helping us through each other. One lady I heard of was given money for medical support that she needed. It was so good to hear the hundreds of uh, gifts that we've given to the NHS workers and how blessed they've been by those. I've loved hearing of a friend who was just uh, phoned and just on the right day she received a phone call that gave her such comfort on a t- in a time when she needed it. Kindness, compassion, the mercy of Jesus is so often on display in times like this and and that's actually the subject uh, that we're looking at today we're continuing our series on the beatitudes or what we've called beautiful attitudes jesus is powerful and sometimes surprising statements that are comforting and uncomfortable sweet and sour they warm our hearts they challenge our behavior in a way that only jesus can do and the four first beatitudes that we've looked at express in one way or another our dependence on god These next three are the outworking of that dependence. So we've come now to Matthew 5, verse 7, which says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And this beatitude is relatively straightforward on the face of it. People who show mercy to others will themselves be the recipients of mercy. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Interesting, though, that the word for merciful means those whose posture is showing mercy, not just those who engage in occasional merciful impulses, a posture of mercy. Not kicking the dog that time when you were 10 years old is not quite going to cut it in Jesus' kingdom. It's a posture of showing mercy. And what's fascinating about this beatitude is actually the person who wrote it down, Matthew. He's the one who records the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And as he was doing so, he must have been powerfully reminded of the first time he met Jesus. Because he was Matthew, before he met Jesus, he was a tax collector who were hated by the Jews. He was collecting taxes for the invading Roman occupiers. He also wasn't really trusted by the Romans because he was a Jew. So he's got few, if any, real friends. Even his family probably secretly or maybe openly despised him. So when Matthew records Jesus saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, he must have been drawn back to his own salvation story, where this idea of mercy was the centre of the discussion. We can read it in Matthew 9. I'm just going to read it to us now. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at the table in Matthew's house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining there with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard what they said, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. One of the things I've grown to love in the last 12 months is reading the passage twice using different translations. It really helps us to dive deeper into God's word and apply it to our lives. So I'm going to read it again to us in the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I love that. 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call, not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So we're going to use four questions to open up this passage. What does the story teach us about God? What does it teach us about people? What do we need to do as a result of reading this passage? And who can we share it with? So firstly, what does it teach us about God? There is so much in there about God, isn't there? What does it teach us about uh, Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? What does it teach us? Well, firstly, I would say the thing that stands out to me is Jesus in mercy comes to us. Jesus in his mercy comes to us. So often when we talk to people about finding God, we invite them to things. Come to this event. Come on Sunday. And I don't think it's a bad thing. But it's not the primary model that Jesus gives. Jesus goes to them. He visits Matthew in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his brokenness. And then he goes deeper. I want to step into your home. I want to step into the heart of your community. Caroline and I had a bizarre experience some years ago when we were talking to, uh, we are taking a really um, a famous speaker, famous in our world, out to dinner. And, and we realised that as we were driving around Bedford late at night that he didn't like Indian food. It was late on a Sunday night. It's crazy night. I love it, but he didn't. Anyway, it, 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 we were driving around on a Sunday night, and there's just nowhere else apart from Indian restaurants open. And, and so I bravely said, well, why don't you come to our house? We'll cook you something. I couldn't see Caroline's face, but I felt the temperature drop five degrees in the car because what she knew that I didn't know was that we had zero food in the house. And to make it worse, we've been out all day. The kids were legally old enough to be left alone. But let's just say the house looked like a bombshell, uh, uh, like a bomb had gone off. And it was just so embarrassing. And this guy was so gracious, but there was no food. He was surrounded by chaos. It was awkward. And here's the point. Just like Matthew, Jesus rocks up at your house, at my house, and he's not worried about the state of the place. I was speaking to her mum with uh, young kids this week and asking how she was doing with homeschooling. She said, well, pretty good. I'm only losing it with the kids once a day. I loved her honestly. It is tough. And here's the truth, though. Jesus has come to her house. He's come to your house. He's come to my house. Mercy comes to us. And the second thing is this. Jesus with mercy sees us as we really are. Notice Jesus says healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. If you're Matthew, you might be offended. I'm not sick, how dare he? But clearly Matthew realised that he was sick, spiritually sick, financially perhaps wealthy, spiritually broken. And Jesus sees right to the heart. There's no point pretending when you meet with Jesus. His last words are haunting, aren't they? Aren't they? For I have come, not to those who think they're righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. When we're tempted to think we've got it all together, that's probably when we've least got it together. If you remember what you, that you're nothing without God's grace in your life, and anything you do that's good is only by the power of His Spirit working in you. It's only the blood of Jesus that means we can even approach God. We are in pretty good shape. What we learn about God is He's looking for humility, He's looking for brokenness. And if He finds you like that, He's like, let's eat together, let's have a chat. Maybe in this season, you need to take a fresh look into Jesus' eyes of mercy. His loving kindness wants to reach you. No need for a mask to collapse into his arms of mercy. Mercy sees us as we are anyway. There's no need to hide. Probably though, the third and most striking thing we can learn about God is that Jesus' heart is full of mercy. Jesus gets really wound up with the religious leaders, the Pharisees in the story, because they've made religious things trump foundational things. 
Now, here's the point. There are many things that God asks of us, and sacrifice is certainly one of them. In fact, the Bible said we're to be living sacrifices, but underneath all of that, there's a requirement that God's got on his people, and it's to follow his heart of mercy. It's so easy to, for, for people who think they're following God to forget the basics, the foundational things, before anything else, embody mercy. I've just been shocked in our day just to read what some people write and post online and write to each other. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. And it is shocking, so harsh, so unkind, so lacking in any sense of mercy or understanding or compassion. Does our digital life reflect Jesus' heart of mercy? That's a great question for us to be asking ourselves. Just a few things from this short story that, that it teaches us about God. Mercy comes to us. Mercy sees us as we are and loves us the same as the Pharisee said. Why does Jesus eat with scum like us, like that, like us? And mercy is right at the heart of God. What then does it teach us about people? That's the second question. What does this teach us about people? What can we learn about us? The first thing that stands out to me is Jesus' mercy propels him. Jesus finds people who are hungry for his kingdom through acts of mercy. He picks Matthew out. Notice he doesn't do it in a quiet space, perhaps when Matthew's having a day off, away from his tax booth. He does it front and centre for everyone to see while Matthew is sitting there at his tax booth, most likely with a queue of angry people waiting to pay taxes, Roman guards standing around. You can imagine the scene. Matthew would be used to putting up with abuse all day, every day, from people who hated him. And you know what? Deep down, he probably knew that he was guilty and he deserved much of their abuse. He was betraying his own people to the Romans and worse, he was profiting from it. Yet in the middle of that scene, Jesus enters. Come follow me. Mercy. Propelled by mercy. Jesus later said to his followers, as the Father sends me, so I am sending you. He sends us then in the same way that he came. Propelled by mercy. The point is there are people out in the world who on the surface seem far from God or even caring about God, but Jesus is looking for them, he's hunting for them, and he will find them, he'll reach their hearts as we're propelled by mercy. In order to extend mercy, we've got to be proximate to the broken. It requires us to draw a line in the sand, to stand up to the accused, to be a witness to mercy. I remember some years ago hearing Brian Stevenson, who uh, was a, a, a lawyer who represented people in the States on death row. After 30 years of doing this experience, defending the most marginalised, this uh, lawyer, Brian Stevenson, said this, the true measure of our character is how we treat the poor, how we treat the disfavoured, how we treat the accused, how we treat the incarcerated, and how we treat the condemned. Jesus' mercy propels him, and it should propel us into proximity with those who need that mercy, just as he has come to our house. He asked us to go to theirs. And Jesus' mercy attracts. That's the other thing that stands out to me. Matthew 9, verse 10 says this. As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors, many sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and reclining with his disciples. Notice that Jesus' act of mercy to one, Matthew, opens the floodgates to many, many others. Hatred spreads, unkindness breathes, and we're seeing that particularly at this time and particularly online. But the kingdom principle is this, that Jesus' actions show us mercy also spreads. Mercy also attracts. Mercy attracts others who also need mercy. That's why 
sharing your story of how God's working in your life is so, so key. Some months ago, a guy came up to me in a meeting, I think I've told you this story before, and he said, you saved my life. I said, well, that's a big claim. How have I saved your life? He said, well, some years earlier, you, you um, spoke at Catalyst Festival. You shared how you and your wife had gone to marriage counselling and how God had met you and spoken to you in that place. And I've never heard a Christian leader shout that before. I was suicidal because of the state of my marriage. But my wife and I decided that day we were going to go and find a counsellor. And our marriage has since been restored and we now lead marriage support in our church. Your story of encountering the mercy of Jesus is attractive. It inspires others. The last thing is this. What do we need to do as a result? What do we need to do as a result of reading this passage? 1 John 2 verse 3 says, By this we know, if we have come to know him, if we keep his commands. It's easy to claim to know Jesus, but John's making the point that those who really know him bring his words, his commands to life. So what's Jesus saying to you through this passage? Maybe there's something for you to believe. Maybe it's not a do at all, it's a belief. If you believe that his mercy is for you, do you this week need to meditate on the fact that his mercy has come to find you, it's come to your street, it's come to your house, it's come to your uh, homeschooling chaos or whatever you face, your, whatever you're facing. Maybe it's time to stop hiding in shame. I remember one young man who always had this guilty look at, at, on his face. Every Sunday I'd see him, he looked guilty, but then he began to believe that Jesus had mercy, had grace for him, and his whole outlook changed. Maybe there's something for you to believe. Maybe there's something for you to do. Someone that you need to show mercy on. They've done a wrong, maybe, even to you, and you need to show mercy to forgive them. Maybe there's someone that you need to get close to. Are you proximate enough to the poor, to the broken? Let's take a minute just to listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, just speak to us now. What do we need to do as a result of reading this passage? Where do we need to show mercy? Lastly, the fourth question is who can we share this with? Here's the exciting thing that I'm learning in this season. God's word is not just for us to consume on our own, it's for us to share. It's not a meal deal, it's a bargain bucket, it's not a tiny salmon bolomon, it's a whole side of salmon, it's a sharing platter. As we begin to put this into practice, it's brought such life. I was talking to a friend about a particular passage the other day and he was showing how hard it was to live out that passage. But that evening, Kai, my daughter, brought up the same passage. I knew God was speaking to him. I just texted him. My daughter's just brought up the same passage. God's encouraging you. God sees your sacrifice. So who needs to hear this story that we read today? Maybe someone who needs to know that Jesus sees them with eyes of compassion and mercy. Maybe someone who's working close to the broken. Maybe someone who sees God as a harsh, uncaring being needs to see God through this story. Let's take time, shall we, not just to put Jesus' words to life in our own lives, but to share the bargain bucket, to give it away. Thanks so much for listening. Maybe may you encounter the mercy of Jesus. May you walk in the mercy of Jesus as you go about your week. Thanks for listening. God bless you.